Hey everybody, it's Allie, and welcome to our YNR chat for Sunday, May 29th. This has been a huge week. Huge! There's been lots of storyline movement and lots of juicy casting updates too that I'm excited to talk to you guys about, so let's get started. Okay. If you ask me, <laughs> everything in Genoa City can just take a back seat right now to what is going on with Lily. I mean, if you were to tell me three months ago that Cain was going to die and then his evil twin was going to come back, <laughs> I think I would have looked at you and just said, whatever. I wouldn't even have believed it, but, and I don't even, I wouldn't have thought that I would be interested in it, but there's just so much intrigue and newness and question marks surrounding the storyline that I just, I can't help it. And there is a little piece of my brain that thinks that maybe, just maybe, Kane isn't really dead. I know, it's crazy, but I'm wondering if maybe he is acting the part of this evil twin brother in order to trap Colin. That's my, that's my wild and crazy theory right off the bat here. So, this man that I have affectionately been referring to as, well, first I called him Ghost Kane, and then I called him Bad Kane, <laughs> but now he has an official name. We can call him Caleb, the supposed twin brother. So the tension is really, really high between Colin and Caleb, father and son, and Colin has concocted this plan that he wants to try to have Caleb get close to Lily in order to drive her insane so that they can essentially have her put away, steal her babies, and take them back to Australia and raise them on their own. But Caleb is a really impatient guy. He he does not want to take direction from Colin. He wants to do things his own way, and he's all about taking charge and just getting stuff done. He's, and he's, he's, he's almost like squirmy, you know, he's wriggling around like he, he's almost like one of these guys that can't sit still. He reminds me of a big child who has ADD, you know, I mean, he's, <laughs> he's like, let's just take the babies, let's kill Lily, let's, let's start a fire, yeah, yeah, you know, he's one of those guys, almost like Beavis and Buttheady, you know, like, he just, he wants to do damage, he wants to do bad things, and it's very different from original Kane, it's like a totally different guy, I mean, it's like, it's weird, it's weird watching, because it's like a totally different guy, Kane was all about smoothness <laughs> and finesse and this guy I mean he's just totally opposite he's everything that Kane wasn't in, in every way and I I have to tell you guys it is such a pleasure <laughs> 
to have Michael Goddard back on to the show in this totally new capacity. And I also will admit to you that I have a wonderful, renewed desire to just saddle him up and ride him like a bronco. That is what I would like to do. And it's so nice to have it back because I had lust for Kane when he, you know, was in his early days and then it kind of petered off. And now my lust for Kane is back in full force. I have missed you, uncontrollable lust. I'm glad that you're back. Welcome back, Allie's uncontrollable lust. But Caleb is a bad guy. I mean, I shouldn't, I shouldn't want him, <laughs> but I do. <laughs> That's never stopped me before. I, this guy, he, he, he prefers brute force as, a, as opposed to taking things slow and easy. And he really just wants to kill Lily. He'd be happy to just kill her or I don't know, maybe keep her as a pet. He said something about keeping her as a pet this week. I mean, he's, it's like, (laughs) I have a pet rabbit. I named him George, you know. My pet rabbit's name is George. I mean, he's like this giant, it's just so, it's so weird. It's so, he's such a weird character. And Lily is so wrapped up in this whole fantasy that, you know, she can't pull herself out of it anymore. I mean, at first it was almost voluntary for her, but now she's feeling like she can't even bring herself out of it. She's isolating herself from her family and she's pushing them away. I mean, they're trying to help her and she wants them to just go away so that she can spend her time making sweet, sweet ghost love to Cain. I mean, that's all she wants in life. And, and, and at this point, and, and Caleb, he's just feeding it. I mean, he's all too happy to make it happen. I mean, this week, Lily begged him to have sex with her. She was begging him and he was all for it. He was ready to just dive in <laughs> and go for it. And from Lily's perspective, in a way, I think that she almost feels like she wanted to just make love so that she could reach a climax with this whole thing and just get on with her life. In a way, I think she just wanted to just ha- do it and and be able to move on because you can tell she's completely torn about this whole thing. Meanwhile, Colin is going to Neil and he's telling Neil that he saw Lily talking to herself and this girl really needs some help and he plants that seed in Neil's mind that Lily is not well. And meantime, in the meantime, of course, he is thinking that this is going to ingratiate him with Neil, which it's it's hard to believe that that would even be possible considering what a scumbag he is. But Lily is just... She still has enough of a grip on reality to where she is able to save herself. You know, Caleb starts feeding her these lines about how they need to go off. They need to move. They need to get away from all this. They need to be together, take the babies and just go away. And that rings a bell in Lily's mind. I mean, for a moment, she was like, yes, she wants to be swept up in this fantasy and she wants to act on it and just go away where the family doesn't know that she's having this alternative life. But she has this moment where she realizes that 
when he mentioned taking the babies away, and he's mentioned the babies on a couple of other occasions that visually made her uncomfortable, she, you know, starts to realize that this fantasy has come to a dangerous level. I mean, now it's talking about the babies. It's talking about her children. It's talking about their livelihood. And it brings it into perspective for her. She starts to have these flashbacks um, that were really cool, by the way. They were in black and white and all of the audio was echoed on them. So it had this really haunting quality. And Lily just realizes that all of those memories that she has are in the past. And Cain is in the ground. And she isn't. She has to go on living. So she kicks Caleb out of the house and she begs Neil to take the kids. She has enough wits about her, thank goodness, to realize that she's in an unstable place. And she's a good enough mother to realize that this could cause her to make a decision that could really hurt her children. And of course, Neil happily takes them. He's happy to take them for her. And she feels relieved. I mean, Neil, everyone in the family is so worried about Lily. She's 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 losing it. And, and everyone wants to help her, but she doesn't want to let them in. But Neil agrees to take the babies and that makes her feel better. But that was not in Colin's plan. He was not pleased to learn about that at all. How is he going to steal the babies with Neil in the way? I mean, that puts a little crimp in his plan. So he sends Caleb back to Lily's house. And what what follows, the scenes that follow, are, I think, the, the best scenes of the week. And some of the best scenes that I've seen in, so, in a while. I mean, Lily has this confrontation with what she thinks is Cain. She's she's fed up. She's tired of being pulled between these two worlds. She tells him to just leave her alone. She's begging him, just leave me alone. I mean, he she needs him to just let her get on with her life. If he ever loved her, then he needs to stop showing up and just let her move on. She and she's so just she's just coming undone and she's having this emotional breakdown and I just felt it. It was just on her face. It, it, it was everywhere in her whole body and she's saying to him, I don't want to touch you. I don't want to hold you if it's not real. I, I, can't, I, I can't let myself give into this because when I'm with you, I don't want to be in reality. I can't take care of my children if I'm constantly living in this fantasy world. But Caleb is not taking no for an answer. It was actually very annoying. He kept pushing himself on her, saying, like, you don't mean it, baby. You know, you, I, we, we, you, we need to be together. You know, I want to be with you. And, and, and he's just, he's, he's pushing the issue despite the fact that Lily is freaking out. She's, she starts screaming and crying and shrieking and hitting him and just telling him, I don't want this. Get away from me. Leave me alone. And he's just still moving in, trying to hold her. And she's like, don't touch me. And finally, she says, if 
leave, then I'm going to leave. She runs out of the house, leaving him in the dust. And surprise, <laughs> she shows up at a mental hospital. It was so dramatic. I, she just walks in and says, she finds a nurse and says, my name is Lily Ashby and I need to have myself committed. Which was so good. Just so good. And that's right. Bet you didn't plan on that, Colin. Bet you didn't plan on Lily actually taking charge of her life and, and doing what was best for her children in the first place. I mean, I I, I don't know. I... I almost feel like the one thing that makes me think that this could possibly be Cain and not Caleb and it's, you know, part of a different plan is that I sensed that during the confrontation between Cain and Lily, I didn't feel even for a moment that Caleb was actually going to hurt her. I mean, he had an opportunity. Here Lily is freaking out on him. She's hitting him, in fact. And he could have so easily just grabbed her by the throat and put her out. It would have been so easy for him. He totally had the opportunity. And if Caleb is this impatient, aggressive character who's so hateful toward Colin, then why... Didn't he just go his own way and do what he wanted with Lily? That, that's the one thing that's keeping me kind of uh, just the, uh, questioning this whole thing, you know, as if, you know, maybe that was maybe the intent was to get her to check herself into the, the mental hospital because that is the, the safest place for her. She's in the safest place she could be given this threat. And the babies are in the safest place that they could possibly be. And lurking in the shadows during all of this. Kane's mother. Finally! I'm so excited. It's finally been revealed. And I didn't know this, but better yet, Kane's mom is being played by Jeannie Francis. I she, she's she's Laura of Luke and Laura. She's from General Hospital. I mean, she's like soap opera royalty so it's really cool to see her now coming into this storyline and what seeing what she's going to inject into it it just feels so awesome and i really can't wait to find out how this is gonna play out i'm very excited at the very end of friday's show there was this short little tiny scene between mother and son and i just got the sense that there's just so much more going on here. Like, like, like the real plan is to take out Colin, to trap Colin, not to get the babies. That that was just my one little ray of kind of hope that I'm hanging on to. And I could be completely wrong, but it's just it's just a theory. Call it a hunch. <laughs> Honestly, I don't even I almost don't even care. <laughs> how it turns out because ultimately because I'm just enjoying the journey I just I'm enjoying the the all of the question marks that are flying around in my head right now and uh, Crystal Khalil oh, she was just absolutely phenomenal this week as Lily as she was at her best 
I mean, it's it's weird to say because Lily has, like, the character has been through so much. But for some reason, ugh, this just feels so much more intense. I, I don't know, like, losing her mother and getting cancer and, you know, watching her husband die in her arms. None of that somehow even comes close to comparing to this. I, I don't know if is I don't do you guys feel the same way? I'm just absolutely taken aback. I mean, Lily's descent into madness is outstanding. Ashley's out of jail <laughs> this week. Victor bailed her out. Doesn't anyone in Genoa City have their own bail money? Basically, Victor is there just to bail everybody out of jail. That's his new role. Um, it's it's weird. Like, with the way these people get arrested left and right, you'd think that everyone in Genoa City would have, like, an emergency bail fund stashed away underneath their pillows. But I don't know. Oh, you guys. Ashley's problems do not end there. I mean, she's, she may be walking around free, but a whole lot of people believe that she just tried to kill her fiance, including Catherine. Now this was, this was kind of hard for me. I, I was very surprised that Catherine was doubting Ashley's innocence. She's always had a really great respect for Ashley, you know, because she's John's daughter and, I don't know if it was the disagreements that they had during the planning of the wedding that caused Catherine to question Ashley's judgment, or I don't know if maybe it's because of some of her past mental issues or emotional problems that caused her to question Ashley's judgment, but Catherine overheard last week a conversation that, well, not a conversation, but with some words that Ashley was saying to Tucker. She, she had just found out the truth about everything that had happened. She goes into Tucker's uh, bedside, his hospital bedside, and she starts to tell him how sorry she is that everything turned out the way it did. And Catherine overheard the conversation and uh, interpreted that as Ashley apologizing for hurting him, for, for intentionally running him over. And Catherine <laughs> took that information, rolled with it, and decided to <sighs> file a restraining order <sighs> to keep Ashley away from Tucker. And that's not all. <laughs> As a matter of fact, she also fired her. <sighs> Talk about the worst week ever. Ever! I mean, like, here's one for the record books, Ashley. Everything in her life changed in a matter of moments. I mean, she had everything, and in just the blink of an eye, it was all gone. Uh, it's all, it's, it's astounding. I, it's, I don't know. I, I, I wish that Catherine would have given her the benefit of the doubt, but I also... Part of me wonders if maybe Catherine is right. You know, and as as this conversation between Ashley and Catherine ended, Catherine said, you know, this, you know, I'm sorry that this has to be going on, but you have other problems and maybe you should take this time to just focus on your family. And I couldn't help 
maybe Catherine was white. Maybe that is what Ashley should be doing right now. I I understand her desire to be with Tucker. I mean, she's in such a huge mess, no question about it. But and in a way, it is honorable that Ashley wants to try to protect her child from these charges. But I just can't help but feel that that is also Ashley failing to let her child take responsibility for her actions and understand that those actions have consequences and to pay the toll, man. I mean, we all need to pay for the things that we do. And so I, 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 I just can't help but feel that maybe Ashley robbing Abby of, of that lesson is maybe doing her more harm than good. I mean, she really, really can't just sweep that under the rug, never telling Abby, intending to never tell Abby that what she, what she did. I, I just, it, it, it feels like Ashley just wants to sweep it under the rug, pretend like that didn't happen, like her daughter couldn't possibly be so horrible when she needs to really be, I think, getting Abby some help. And I'm not saying that Ashley's a bad mom. I don't think that. But I think she needs to use this time to reach out to her. It's Abby's fault that all of this happened. <laughs> I don't know. Abby's starting to come to that same conclusion, though. That's the good news. Abby's starting to figure it out. I mean, she attended an AA meeting this week um, to, she just wanted to get off of her chest, I guess, everything that happened, you know, and even though her memory is really fuzzy and she doesn't, she doesn't realize everything yet, she just wants, she, she feels guilty and she wanted to get her off, get it all off of her chest, so she goes to this AA meeting thinking that she's going to be anonymous, but guess what? Nikki was there. And Nikki <laughs> listens to Abby's story. Abby doesn't see Nikki, but Nikki's listening to Abby's story and kind of putting the pieces together. You know, she's starting to figure it out. And Abby still doesn't even realize it herself. She she blacked out. She doesn't know that she was the one driving the car that hit Tucker. Yet Nikki figured it out immediately. I mean, it really it was a matter of seconds before Nikki figured it out. And after the meeting, Nikki approached Abby. They kind of they kind of realized that oh, they were both there. And Nikki did a little bit of probing. You know, she was kind of trying to gently nudge Abby to try to get some more information about it. With and without you know without telling her that she was you know what she was thinking. But Nikki totally figured it out. So. Of course, Nikki runs out to the ranch to tell Victor. And of course, Victor freaks out. He cannot believe that Abby could have done something so terrible. I mean, how dare Nikki make that accusation? That Abby could have done something terrible and unforgivable. Victor literally grabs Nikki's arm and bum rushes her out of the ranch. It was very forceful and very rude. And I'm just, I, I'm very surprised. Like, since when is it so hard to believe that Abby did something stupid 
and outrageous. That's that's what she does. I don't know why Victor had such a hard time believing Nikki. I just, I don't know. Just wait until everybody opens their eyes and has a chance to see what the situation really is. So Tucker's will left Catherine in complete control of McCall Unlimited and pretty much all of Tucker's affairs. She calls the shots on everything Tucker related. (laughs) And Catherine didn't waste any time, not a moment, before putting an immediate stop to the Newman acquisition that Trucker was trying to push through and that they've been arguing about for weeks. And Sophia is not happy about this at all. She feels like Catherine should be carrying out Tucker's wishes, you know, doing things the way he would have wanted them done. But really, I I can only assume that Tucker knew what he was doing when he put Catherine in charge of everything. I mean, if he wanted someone to follow his vision or if he wanted someone who would make decisions based on what he would have thought, then he would have picked Sophia. He would have left his whole company to Sophia. And he it seemed like that's how the will was originally, but then there was this addendum that gave everything to Catherine. So it, that seems almost like a recent addition. So I'm confused, honestly, as to why Tucker would do that. I mean, surely he knows that his mother marches to her own beat. You know, and she, if he didn't respect that, I just really don't think he would have picked her. So it's very strange, but it'll be interesting to see Catherine and Sophia going head to head because they're very different ladies. They're both very strong headed. So I don't know. Good luck. Good luck to them. It's going to be, you know, like a a boxing match, I think. Um, And still on the table here, we have a. A little thing we call Jabot that still has to be resolved. I mean, with Tucker out of the picture and Ashley fired from Jabot, who's Catherine going to pick to run the joint? Who's it going to be? I mean, Victor stopped by Catherine's house um, this week to try to put in a good word for Victoria, try to get her to run the company, which I think is just... Snoozeville. Uh, who wants to see Victoria run Jabot? Boring. I mean, let Victoria do something fresh and exciting. I mean, she's she's young. She's hip. Let her do something cool and new and innovative. It's just, I'm, I'm, I don't want to see that same old thing. Uh, and after uh, Victor paid the visit to Catherine to, to put in this good word for Victoria, Jack stopped by the Chancellor Mansion as well to throw his hat into the ring. You know, he, it's no secret. He wants Chabot. And he came with a nice business proposal for Catherine. He put it neatly into a little folder with Chabot letterhead. <laughs> and he brought a sample of a new cactus cream <laughs> that Ashley had been developing that he would that he thinks is the future of Chabot. You know, he'd like to develop, you know, a whole new strategy 
around this cactus cream to, to build Jabot up to make it amazing again. And, you know, Catherine seemed impressed with the proposal, but I don't know. I got a feeling she's not gonna not gonna bite, which is so annoying. It's like, for crying out loud, Catherine, just let Jack run Jabot, will ya? And the Clearly, there is no one on the face of the earth who could or would put more energy and more passion into the company than Jack Abbott. It has been a long, strange journey. <laughs> but it was time for Angelo to sing his swan song this week. He calls Kevin up on the phone and tells him it's time to say goodbye. Very cryptically. And so Kevin and Jeff both are there. They assume that this means that Angelo is going to come after them. That, you know, he's going to show up a glowworm and give him the kiss of death. And that was going to be goodbye. I mean, for months, Angelo's been hanging over their head. Like, it's just been this menacing force hanging over their head. for It's been so long. And, I, I mean, they thought he was going to burn glowworm to the ground for heaven's sake. I mean, they obviously it's it's been a strange relationship between these guys. And <laughs> since Gloria's name is on the door, Jeff and Kevin finally decide to tell her what's been going on that they've been running this gambling racket out of the back room of the of the club and she's none too pleased, mostly cuz she didn't get her own cut. But, I mean, she's practically been the only person who hasn't known about it. I mean, it's been so long, and she's been the only one who's been kept in the dark. But we have this situation now where everybody knows they're waiting for Angelo to show up, and they're expecting and preparing for the worst. Like, Angelo's just going to show up with a giant machine gun with Kevin's name on it and just blow him away in front of everybody. And uh, it was really cute. Uh, we actually flashed to this little fantasy scene. It was very cute. It was like a 1920s style black and white fantasy of what might actually have happened, what they thought was going to happen. And Angelo shows up in his fedora and he has a little a loaded gun in his pocket with Kevin's name on it. And Kevin's prepared to, like, fight Angelo to the death. And Chloe, so cute, is in full flapper attire. And she's trying to protect Kevin. And she's like, no, I won't let you hurt him. <laughs> it was very, very cute. I totally enjoyed it. And, um... When Angelo actually shows up, he's all smiles. He's all chummy with while, while like Gloria and Jeff and Chloe are all like sequestered behind the glowworm bar, huddled together for safety. And Kevin comes out front and he thinks he's going to have this big moment of confronting Angelo. And, and back behind the bar, Chloe grabs this knife and she attempts to toss it to Kevin as if like it's going to save his life. He's going to knife Angelo to death. But she throws the knife, totally misses. Like Kevin's over here. She throws it way over there. And it was just so Comical. I loved it so much. And Angelo just walks in and is like, wait a minute. You, you thought I was going to kill you? I love 
you. I love you. I'm just here to say goodbye. I mean, I have to leave town because things are getting too hot here because Jeff is the one who's been uh, singing like a canary <laughs> to the coppers. And, you know, he, he grabs Kevin and he, he's like, I like you. What are you talking about? He gives him a noogie on his new haircut. And I have to say, by the way, if Greg Ricard <laughs> is not gay, <laughs> then I'm his new haircut is not helping to dispel these rumors because he looks like he should be out at a club. <sighs> with his shirt off and a waxed chest and like glistening with sweat and just dancing to the electro beat. That's that's the total vibe. Kevin's hair is giving me club vibe. <laughs> it's just, it's almost too much. I kind of like Kevin a little nerdier. They've, they're trying to like maybe pair him with Chloe. So it seems like they're trying to make him a little more hip, but I kind of miss nerdy Kevin. I don't know, but I, I don't know. I enjoyed uh, seeing Angelo give him a noogie on his new haircut. Uh, so, I mean, needless to say, nobody got murdered. Everyone was relieved. It was just kind of a nice little goodbye for Angelo. But just before he leaves, he still has one more order of business that he's going to do. So awesome. He grabs Gloria, sweeps her up, and gives her this huge big man kiss. <laughs> and then he whips her back and Gloria's like, woo, woo. And then Angelo looks directly at Jeff in the face and says, there, you try to top that snitch. Chance announced this week that he is going back into the army, which honestly doesn't bother me. Sorry. <laughs> what bothers me is how this is affecting Nina. She, here she is, planning a nice trip for her and her son to take, and then he drops this bomb on her that he's going back to Iraq, and she's devastated. I mean, she had, she had to worry about Chance, Every single night, you know, every time she saw a news story, she was worried about him when he was enlisted. And now she has to go through that all over again. And she's, it's, she was so upset. She was literally begging him not to go, just in tears, just so, just devastated. And Jill walks in and she hears the news, and she's devastated, too, and just everybody's so upset, trying to convince him to stay. And Chance gives this big old speech about how he lives by a code of honor, and the army is the place for him. I mean, he, by re-enlisting, he's changing people's views of Americans all around the world. I'll say. He's, he's helping families. He's 
saving lives. It was it was very oh say can you see? I was totally it was that it was that vibe. Like YNR was saving that for Memorial Day, I guess. But it was it was very it was very mm, salute. Um, so I mean, how can, how can you argue? He's you know he's having this very proud moment of him in the army and his code and helping people and and I mean how can you argue with it? Like Nina and Jill and Catherine all have they have to basically tell him that they don't like it but they support him. I mean what else can they do? But Nina she feels like she's losing her son all over again. Hasn't she been through enough? I mean, the having him in the army, then freaking thinking that he died, and then getting him back, and now he's going back into the army. I, I just, I feel very bad for her. And, she, and, she, and I also identify with her in that she thinks in her mind that this is all Heather's fault. I can't blame her. I mean... Nina feels like if Heather hadn't rejected Chance, then he would have stayed in town. And frankly, you know that's true. It's exactly true. Chance, he has, he's running. He should be staying with his mother, but instead he is running. And Nina knows it. Everybody knows it. And Nina's very, very vocal about it and very, very accusatory. Heather walks in and she's just lays into her, just rips into her. This is your fault. And she, I mean, Nina hates Heather for this. There's, and I don't know if it's just, she just has directed all of her energy toward Heather on this, which might be a problem considering she's dating her father. I mean, you know, this, this is Paul's daughter we're talking about here. So, uh, I don't know. I, I Honestly, I'm not even sure what this means for the John Driscoll fans. I, I'm, I don't know. I'm. It seems like He's leaving the show, for sure. I don't know. I mean, does anybody know for sure? Leave me a comment and let me know. I mean, you guys know Y&R. They, uh, they taketh, but they giveth, too. Because, word on the grapevine is that Jeff Branson is returning as Ronan. Oh, what do you guys think about that? Can you believe it? Watching the situation with Lucy is like watching a game of musical chairs. You know, it's like when the music stops, who will be left standing? It's it's too much. I early this week, um, Tracy actually came over to inject some much needed wisdom into this situation, which is what she's best at, and she told Victoria. <laughs> What no one else had the balls to tell her, to be honest. I mean, Tracy's no holds barred, but in a gentle way. You know, she but she told Victoria, you have to be prepared to love this child enough to let her go. And that's very hard. I mean, but coming from Tracy, you know, I mean, you know, she's been there. She's experienced this. And Lucy isn't Billy and Victoria's. She she isn't. There's no way around it. I mean, if if. If we didn't know that Daniel was the father or and or if we thought that they didn't want her, then it would be a totally different situation. I would say, yes, yes, she belongs with Billy and Victoria. It's a great home. But I mean, the fact that there are, there is biological family who wants to take care of her, I just it's 
I don't know. I I I I was hoping this week that Daniel, when he he got custody of Lucy to get her out of CPS, and I was hoping that he would start to come around. You know that he'd hold her and he'd you know things would change for him. I he's Daniel is Lucy's father. Shouldn't he at least try? To be a father? Why can't he at least try? I mean, it's it's almost as soon as CPS put Lucy back into his arms. He ran to Billy and Victoria's house to give her up again. And I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's just, it's, I'm starting to feel like it's the wrong decision for him. He has this idea that he's going to stay at Billy and Victoria's house. He's going to take Jana's old apartment above the garage so that technically Lucy lives with him, but he wants Lucy to stay in the main house with Billy and Victoria, and he reassures them that he wants them to have custody and to raise her. And I can't help but wonder if he's just acting out of fear. You know, because he's trying to justify all of this by saying that he doesn't have any feelings for Lucy. He actually said that, you know, that he doesn't have any paternal feelings for Lucy. But I really think that that's not true. I I, I think that he is just afraid, you know, that I, I think he's afraid that he's going to screw up as a father. Which, you know, I'm not a parent, but I isn't every parent afraid of that? I mean, that's, of course, that's your main fear that you're going to screw up the kid. But it's not a reason to let someone else raise her. Am I, am I wrong? I don't know. I, I don't entirely agree with Phyllis either. I mean, <laughs> as soon as Phyllis realized what Daniel did, of course, they had a big confrontation. It was not pretty. There was... They, there was raised voices and almost some deep-seated stuff that kind of bubbled to the surface, I think, for Daniel. I mean, Daniel accused Phyllis of, you know, wanting Lucy to make up for her own past mistakes, which is true in part. It was bad. It was very, it was very bad. I mean, uh, Daniel actually commented to Billy and Victoria later. I think, he said, I think that she is willing to lose a son in order to gain a daughter which is so harsh i and i i don't i don't know if i think that's true because uh, i think that in phyllis's heart really truly deep down in her heart she is doing this for daniel i think that she wants to save him from making the same mistake that she made because she knows that he will regret it. And I, I, I think she's right there. I, but, but unfortunately, I mean, most of the time that's not even possible. You can't save someone else from making a mistake, no matter how much you want to. <sighs> but I, but Phyllis is never going to give up. I mean, you know, we all know Phyllis. She's not going to give up. She starts writing this scathing, restless style article about Daisy and how bad she is and how wonderful Daniel is. And she, she spills her guts about the entire situation, even though a judge has put a gag order on this case. She goes against it and just blurts it all out. And now Billy is liable because it's his magazine. You know, I mean, doesn't look good for him. He's already in hot water over this whole adoption thing. And now Phyllis just goes and make it, makes it worse. And Billy... 
Of course, marches right over to her house and, like, Donald Trump's her. He's like, you fired. You fired, Phyllis. I mean, I, I surely <laughs> this could not have been a surprise to her. I mean, it had to happen sooner or later. So Phyllis no longer works at Restless Style. She's officially burnt, like, every possible bridge. She has, she has like, she has a lot going on. She has en- enough on her hands. I mean, she she thinks, the Phyllis's plan, she thinks that, that Daisy is going to see this article and then, then Phyllis is going to be able to get a, an internet trace on her whereabouts. So if Daisy logs online to see this article, then Phyllis is going to be able to get the IP address and be able to find her. And I'm thinking, why play with fire? What good is going to come out of bringing Daisy into the situation? It's only going to make things worse. I mean, your your only option is Daisy? There's not something else you could possibly do? It's I, I'm very surprised that Phyllis would go to that extreme. And while everybody is, you know, getting all hot and bothered and mad about this article, realizing that it's just bait, it's bait for Daisy, that's all it is, of course, everyone is also expecting Lauren to fall apart over the entire issue. I mean, she's become like this little delicate flower. I mean, they're assuming that this is just going to totally set her off. But Lauren, <laughs> surprise, she is ready to take back control of her life. No more fear. She's tired of living in fear of Daisy and, and just constantly looking over her shoulder. And she tells Phyllis, you know what? You better hope you find her before I do. Mm, I say right on, Lauren. I like my Lauren fierce. She's fierce and she's assertive. And it made me really happy to see that that was her reaction. Um, and I'm hoping this is going to make for some really good Lauren scenes coming up. Um, <laughs> she's going to need to maintain that courage because... Uh, it's happening. Just as Phyllis and and Lauren are having this conversation about Daisy, we f- we flash to a scene. Guess who? Sitting in a public computer somewhere, reading an article online with tears streaming down her face. It's Daisy. Things are getting very cozy at the farm. (laughs) Sherry and Sam and Piper are like a little family together. It's very cute. And and I think that's what's making things even harder on Sharon. Just having this nice little, you know, community that she's building and seeing this little girl. So this week was the anniversary of Cassie's death. And I have to hand it to YNR. They always acknowledge Cassie's death. I don't think that they've even had a year go by where they haven't acknowledged it. And I, you know, I respect that. I appreciate that. You know, I mean, it was a very serious, very tragic death. And, you know, I'm glad that I'm glad that they acknowledge it. So Nick and Sharon are both separately thinking about Cassie. I mean, um, Nick's kind of talking to Faith about her big sister in heaven. And Sharon, (laughs) Sharon's like so deep in thought thinking about Cassie that she accidentally called Piper Cassie when she was talking to Sam. It was a very awkward moment. But Sharon actually did open up to Sam about it. She told him that, you know, she had a daughter who passed away and it was obviously very painful for her. And I think through this conversation, Sam starts to really realize that Sharon is a person who 
has this deep, deep pain and she's trying to run from it. You know, I think that, I think he fully kind of realized that that's what her situation is. And so he, he wants to perk her up. You know, I mean, he, he that's where she is in her journey and he's happy to support her there. So he decides to make her dinner. Pasta Primavera, as a matter of fact, which is the dinner that Adam and Sharon had um, thanks the Thanksgiving that they were first together, I believe. And um, so that was kind of a it was such a shocking the pasta primavera moment when, when Sam suggested that they should have pasta primavera. Sharon literally dropped a piece of glass shattered all over the floor. It was like oh, pasta primavera. You know? <laughs> it was like it was the most dramatic reading of pasta primavera that I think has probably ever been done on television so there's a there's a new record there um but sam makes her this really nice dinner and you know they they eat it and and it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting sharon remarked that you know the recipe was different you know than what she was used to having but that it was still good and there was this sense it just had these overtones of that you know yes Things change, but sometimes things are replaced with better things, you know? I mean, the, the, life moves on, and, you know, I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was kind of calm and, you know, almost resolved, and I'm telling you, I'm loving this for now. I, I don't ask me when Adam gets back into the picture, I, I don't ask me what I think. I just, I, for now, Sherry and Sam, it's just so nice. It's just so comforting. And I feel like Sam is slowly but surely tr kind of bringing Sharon out of her shell and helping her build her life back up. And, um, it's shy. It's just very, it's, it's very refreshing. Um, <laughs> Sam and Piper managed to convince, I think mostly through guilt, Sharon to attend this Memorial Day fair where Piper is going to show Fanny. She's going to get Fanny judged, and I'm sure there's no doubt that Fanny will be judged best lamb in the world. <laughs> we'll get the number one lammy prize at this fair. <laughs> It'll be cute. Um, but but back in Genoa City, there's still this issue of Sharon's suicide. You know, it's just it's tainting her death. You know, that's it's, it's not good. And, and since her death was ruled a suicide, Sharon's insurance policy was apparently canceled. So Doris cannot get the money that she needs in order to establish kind of a memorial fund for Sharon. So Doris goes to Nick and Adam, reluctantly, and she's thinking that together Nick and Adam can help, you know, help her clear Sharon's name and, and help her get this funding for the, uh, for the uh, charity. I really, honestly, <laughs> it was, I was very shocked that Doris would even give Adam a second look, but I think that Sharon may be the only thing that Nick and Adam might be able to agree on. And maybe Doris just recognized that. It's probably, she's probably the only thing they had in common. And, and this, these two guys are, like, not crazy about having to work together. But they accept this challenge. They agree that they have to do everything that they can possibly do to make this situation right. They want to set the record straight about Sharon's death. She did not kill herself. So they hold a press conference 
to get attention to the issue, which Piper almost accidentally sees online, but she doesn't see it. Um, and uh, after this press conference, they decide that they're going to go back to Arizona, back to the scene of Sharon's death, and they're going to look for evidence, anything they can do to, to prove their, you know, this theory. And I saw a preview from Monday's show that shows um, Adam showing up at that very fair where Sharon is attending and, and showing this fanny with, with, with Sam and Piper. As, darn, you know, can't a girl even go to a farm show in San Pueblo, New Mexico without running into her past? Okay, you guys. It has been brought to my attention <laughs> that I may have been a little harsh on Diane last week. <laughs> I can't help it. She just gets under my skin. She just has this way of getting under my skin. But I was shocked to learn and this is going to be news to some of you. Are you ready? Mara West is out as Diane. They let her go. She's She's been let go. And we're going to be no longer seeing Diane. We're on the last stages of Diane for a long time. And I, I think... Honestly, in uh, all everything else aside, I find this to be a very huge disappointment. I think the whole thing has been a really huge disappointment. I had so much hope for Diane. I mean, if, honestly, if you go back, listen to my 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 YNR chats for when she came on, I was so stoked, you know, at the potential that Diane had, and it just wasn't until recently that she just started spiraling down. And I read in this article that apparently fans felt that she was miscast in the role of Diane, but I did not get that vibe at all. I thought that she was, I thought she was perfect for Diane. I thought she was great. I mean, she even looks like the original actress. How can you even get better than that? She had the same mannerisms as the, as the original actress. And I really... I, I like the character of Diane. I wanted to like her. My my dislike of Diane was strictly from a storyline perspective. It had nothing to do with the actress. I think that the actress was great. I just wanted to see a little bit less whorishness and a little bit more identifiability. I wanted her to be a, a really cool, strong woman, and she just got off on the wrong foot. So... I have to say, if anyone screwed up here, it was the writers, certainly not the actress. I mean, she was just like this one-dimensional, money-grubbing character without the, the redeeming qualities that we need, that make us want, love someone like that, that make us be able to accept someone like that. So, so I, for that, for that I, I say, shame on you, YNR. I really do. I feel like Diane had potential and you blew it. Okay, enough of me. Let's get some comments from the peanut gallery, shall we? Hi, Ellie. Happy anniversary. Anyway, 
How is the young and the restless going? Well, let's see. Don't get it twisted. I don't think Sheila, Sheila, that's great. I don't think Diane has big redeeming qualities, but I do think we're harder on Diane than we are on, say, Ashley, who ruined her life with men as well. And I don't know. You have to rewatch the tape, but Amy didn't step on the brake. She stepped on the accelerator, so it must look like she was trying to kill Tucker. Now, Diane was more than too happy to, you know, accommodate the police. But still in all, I like the bad people at Denver City. Like when Jack Abbott wasn't bad, I liked him a whole lot better. I had high hopes for Billy, but Billy didn't do too much, and he turned out to be a goody-goody. So as far as loving evil, I think Adam and Diane will make a great evil couple. Now, I only like my evil a little bit evil because the new king, which I believe his name is Kale, and Colin, who his own son killed and was trying to take his grandbabies, is just a little too evil for me. Anyhow, we have a great anniversary here. Talk to you soon. Aw, Anna, you're probably so disappointed to hear about Mara West, too. I mean, it it is unfortunate. I feel like I feel like she just wasn't given a chance. I mean, and, and I think it's a that is a very valid point that we are harder on Diane than we are on someone like Ashley. I think what makes Diane a little bit different is that she is just not nice and she does not care. You know, I mean, she goes after what she wants and she is not nice about it. I mean, Ashley and a lot of the other women in Genoa City, at least they have this air of innocence. You know, Diane just doesn't put on any front. She throws it all out there. And, you know, maybe that is why it's it's more or why I'm harder on her. I don't know. Um, I wow. See, this is exactly why. I love getting feedback because I, you know, maybe you're probably right. Abby may very well have stepped on the accelerator instead of the brakes. Oh, my goodness. See, that puts everything in a really different light. Do you guys think that Abby intentionally tried to kill Tucker? I, whoa. I mean, I, I, for some reason, I find that hard to believe. I mean, I think Abby's a, a bad seed. I mean, I think she really didn't want... Clearly, she wanted to protect her mother, but enough to try to kill him. I mean, maybe it was one of those things where she was so drunk that, oh, that, uh, that, I don't know, that maybe um, it just overtook her. I don't know. That puts a really different spin on things. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to hear what, what everybody else thinks about that. Wowie, wow, wow, wow. Um, another, I have to, I want to respond too to my friend, um, that I, I got it. I kind of emailed back and forth with Sue Ellen. Had a really good theory. She emailed me with a, a theory that uh, well, she just kind of mentioned it, but I picked up on it. And I think it's amazing. What if Sam is Tucker's son? We all know that Tucker has this now this long lost son that we're just waiting to come into the picture, and I'm wondering if Sam could could be it. You know, I mean, he lives out on this farm. He's chosen this isolated life. It could be something that he's done as kind of rebellion for knowing that his father was this rich, ruthless businessman. And I'm wondering if it's possible that when everything comes to light about Sharon, she could return to Genoa City, bring Sam along with her, kind of like how Victor did with Hope and and possibly find out that there's a that there's a that that's his father. 
I, I think that's very compelling. I never would have thought of that. <laughs> Not in a million years. And I, I know Sue Ellen was like, well, I hope that doesn't happen. But I kind of do. I, I find it I find it um, kind of intriguing. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. If anybody else has any theories about who Tucker's mystery son is, I would love to hear them. And just in general, I would love to hear you guys' comments on the show this week or on my feedback about the show this week. So you'll have to have to leave me a comment. You can um, go to actually this is a this is a good week to go to my website because. Last week, I kind of put out a call um, to to get uh, happy anniversary voice messages from some folks, and I had a really nice response um, from uh, the people who watch the video version of uh, of my YNR chat. Um, I got quite a few voicemails, and they're so nice, and I mixed them in kind of an interesting way. So when you go to my website to leave me a comment... You can also see this this video. That's the only place you're going to find it. So here's the web address. It's yrchatblog.blogspot.com. Again, it's yrchatblog.blogspot.com. I'll post um, the, the video so you can hear all of these awesome voicemails. And you can just, just find my latest uh, blog post and just leave me a comment there. Let me know what you're thinking about the show. Or you can always email me yrchat at live.com or hey you can give me a phone call i love hearing your your voices honestly hearing all of the the voices um i mean people i've been communicating with for you know through text you know just emails for three years calling in to leave me voice messages it was very moving and um it's it's definitely kind of everything feels a little bit different for me now i don't know why just it kind of made things real um you know thinking that I don't know. We're we're kind of connected in this way. You know, we're connected through this to this thing that we both love, um, the young and the restless. And I think that's pretty special and pretty amazing. And um, it makes me really happy. So, okay, what else? What else is going on? I think. I think that's it. (laughs) I hope everybody has a really good Memorial Day. Um, I'm sure that there's not going to be a show on Monday or it'll be a a poolside show (laughs) with no real action. But I'll I'll take that over no show. I'm keeping my fingers crossed open. There'll be a a Memorial Day something. Maybe a little pool party at the ranch. (laughs) Who knows? We'll see. Um, But we'll definitely be back next week to chat about whatever's coming in store oh it's gonna be good i can't wait um so that's something to look forward to um leave me a comment if you guys get a chance uh, otherwise i will see you next time all right i love you bye